This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's sports station. 92.9 FM ESPN. Welcome, welcome, welcome. To the Giannotto and Jeffrey Show. We're coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright929ESPN. Dennis Fuller's producing the program for us. Glad he is with us. The NCAA tournament has begun, and we are off and running. We've already got a ref show down in Birmingham. We've got a double-digit seed upset. We have had just about it all through the first two games. It's Tasty Take Thursday here on the program, so we'll get into early reactions from the NCAA tournament. Obviously, John Morant's interview with Jalen Rose last night on ESPN. The Grizzlies allegedly played a game down in Miami last night. We'll get to all of that here during the opening segment. Eric Alstein is going to join us here in about 30 minutes. We'll get Eric's thoughts on everything happening in the world of the Grizzlies. I believe he is also sitting down and watching all of the basketball. Always a great day for sports fans. If you're listening to us, glad you are with us as well. Mark is in Columbus. He'll join the program during the second hour. The Tigers have had their... Open practice, I believe, is the official term for what they call it at Nationwide Arena. Also, this morning, USC Boogie Ellis was also at Nationwide Arena. He went and talked to Boogie, so we'll get his thoughts on everything happening up in Columbus. We'll do all that. We'll tell your story, and we will get out of here. But again, it is one of the best days on the sports calendar. I think you can nitpick how you feel about it, but I think it's unquestionably, it is certainly in the top five of best sports days of the calendar. So let's get right into it. We've had the opening of the NCAA tournament. Our opening game was Maryland and West Virginia. And I really think it set the tone for everything there is to gripe and complain about college basketball. We had 33 fouls. It was the opening game of the tournament. It was on CBS, and the refs knew that everyone was there to watch them. One of the most outstanding ref shows that I have ever seen occurred in that game. 
at one point, we had a stoppage to go review a screen. Spirit of full disclosure, I watch a ton of basketball. I had no idea you could just stop a basketball game in the middle of a possession just to go review a screen. Then we had the typical reviews that you're that we're all used to seeing. Anytime a ball goes out of bounds, I believe we have now reached the point in college basketball where if a ball goes out of bounds in the final two minutes, even if it is swatted away and there is no doubt who the basketball was off of, we're going to the monitor, y'all. We got to check. Got to make sure we get that right. And maybe not in every case, but by and large, I generally view the rules of the professional game are typically better than the rules for college, for high school, whatnot. And the reason why I think that is usually true, in the end, the professional game understands this is a television product. And in college basketball, there is no bigger television product than the NCAA tournament. So right off the bat, we just got an outstanding ref show. It was good to see. Also, wanted to give a quick shout-out. Hand up. I had no idea that Birmingham had done about $130 million renovation of their arena, and it looks great. It also gave me some increased confidence of whenever the forum eventually gets renovated, job well done, because I think that it looks like a completely different arena. That arena, and at least in my experience, had always been kind of kind of a dungeony feeling arena. Now they've turned it into it's very sleek insides, got a cool feel. Great job to Birmingham on that renovation. But let's also get to Maryland and West Virginia because it was just one of those games where it's the eight nine game. It's a two-point line throughout the entire game. West Virginia jumps on them quickly. And I just wanted to say, it was great to get my first bet out of the way where a team that I bet on had a 15-point lead, blew it immediately. Furthermore, had nearly a double-digit lead in the second half and blew it. Also, this was a new one for me. West Virginia, obviously known for their pressure defense under Huggy Bear. They're up, I beg your pardon, they're down one with eight and a half seconds left. They trap the Maryland guard in the corner, and they're just standing there not fouling. Like, I understand you're trying to like get the ball, but they just let way too much time run off the clock. West Virginia didn't even get a decent look at the end. A couple other things that have stood out to me. This isn't really specific to this one game. This is just something that I've been noticing in college basketball recently, and I've decided to take the opportunity on Tasty Take Thursday to just reveal this one. When a college basketball player decides that he is going to shoot the basketball, you best believe he is going to shoot the basketball. One instance that I have been seeing a lot more recently and maybe this is just me noticing it, and it's always been this way, but it certainly feels like it has been standing out to me recently. We have an epidemic of bigs in college basketball that when they lose an angle 
or when they lose leverage on a defender, by God, basketball's got to go up. Are they unaware that just because you lose leverage or an angle that you are still capable of passing the basketball? In fact, you can usually pass the basketball out to somebody wide open, but absolutely not. We are just seeing consistently when a big gets the ball, as soon as he makes the move, by God, it's going up. Our second game of the day, the thriller of the day, Virginia and Furman. Congratulations to Furman. I believe it was their first, it was their first tournament appearance in something in an extremely long period of time. Obviously, it's one of the, if not their very first tournament win. I believe today was their first tournament win. They were celebrating, and truth be told, I'm watching it, getting ready for the show. I believe, though, to be clear, don't trust this as fact, but I believe that was their first ever tournament win. But we got our first ever, we got our first 14 over a three, bigger bigger pardon, 13 over a four, our first double-digit seed with a win. There's a few things to take away from this game that I thought that I at least had just jotted down. And so maybe this is more for overreaction Monday, but it's tasty take Thursday, and let's be real. A take is the same thing as an overreaction in general, so I think it fits here. Let's start first and foremost with what happened. I am fairly confident that Kihai, that Kihai, beg your pardon, Kihai Clark made one of the dumbest passes I've ever seen in the history of basketball. With Virginia clinging to a one point, or beg your pardon, two point lead, they have inbounded the ball. They've gotten they've gotten a rebound, and they're trying to. They're essentially trying to run out the clock. Furman's got a foul. He gets into a trap, nicely dribbles directly into the trap. I've always found that fascinating. You basically see your first press, I don't know, in 10-year-old basketball. I am still blown away at the amount of college basketball players that see open space in a corner and think, that's the spot. I'm going there. I'm going to go directly right into that trap because it's open. Sure enough, he gets trapped. Virginia had a timeout. He could have called timeout, and instead of calling timeout, he attempts to launch the ball over his head, and I'm not even particularly certain where he was throwing. There was one Furman defender basically at half court. There was a UVA, there was a UVA player maybe at the three-point line, I think that's the direction that he was throwing it, but it just felt like the move that you make when you just absolutely panic and you've just decided, I'm getting rid of the basketball. Someone else is going to do something with it. It goes straight into the arms of the Furman guy that was standing at midcourt. He flips it to J.P. Pegues, who launches a three from basically the hash mark. Nothing but net. They take the lead. UVA gets kind of a last gasp three-pointer from the other hash mark, nearly banks it in, but nonetheless, Furman moves on. And there's a few other things 
that I kind of have taken away from this game. So, obviously, anytime you have Cinderella with a big upset, it's always a thriller, particularly when it's on a big shot. And J.P. Begeese made a big shot. But there were a lot of problems that Virginia has that allowed this to happen. And coming into the tournament, Furman was one of the most popular underdogs, and that was like one of the biggest watch out for this upset. There's a reason why everyone's been saying that. I believe at this point, Tony Bennett needs to take a play out of the Nick Saban playbook. And I understand that for basketball fans, anytime that you immediately start to hear comparisons to football, it upsets them. Hang with me. Tony Bennett has been a remarkably successful coach. You can make the argument that his program has been the defining program of the ACC of the past decade. But what has become patently obvious in the last, I'm even going to say three years, it appears college basketball has now started to understand what the NBA has understood now for the better part of a decade, maybe more. Three points are more than two points. In the end, Virginia gets up 12 in the second half. And simply because they are unable to score and because of their offensive style, they are unable to put a team away. It's a consistent problem with Virginia. Does that mean that Tony Bennett should be fired? No, not an idiot. But one thing that I've always given Saban credit for, even if he doesn't like the way the game is played, even if he fundamentally disagrees and he thinks that it is being, the game's being officiated improperly, whatnot, he makes an adjustment. And when he saw that you could no longer ball control your way, dominate with defense, he made an adjustment. He goes and hires Lane Kiffin to innovate their offense. He then starts to run one of the more fun offenses that we see in college football. I don't even particularly think that he enjoys it, but he understands that's the way that the game's played. After watching what Deshaun Watson did to him and what other SEC teams were doing to him when they started knocking him off by having the wide-open spread offense, he made the adjustment. It's becoming increasingly clear to me now, if you're Virginia, the pack line defense, the ball control offense, it's not the way to go. Look at how scoring has been during the past four champions. Does this mean like he, I mean, to me, it's it's not even really necessarily, it's not even a roster management. It's not even a, the guys that he gets problem. It is truly a style of play problem. 
And I think that you can also see this is one of Cal Perry's struggles right now. It's not a talent problem. It's a scheme problem. And honestly, more than a scheme problem, it's a philosophy problem. You can win a lot of basketball games by having an efficient offense and playing tough defense. But when you get into these situations where teams now will fall behind by 12 points and not blink and just keep firing threes, well, then all of a sudden you're going to find yourself in the same spot that Virginia has consistently found itself here in recent memory. Game currently going on. Missouri and Utah State. As everyone knows with me in the NCAA tournament, rule number one, we fade the Mountain West. There is no rule number two. Utah State currently leads Missouri 49-47 with 10.45 to go. And I've got some thoughts for the Missouri Tigers. Number one, how this game is close, let alone how Missouri is trailing, is an absolute mystery to me. Missouri is so much more athletic, and there was a play in the first half where Missouri got by the defender so quickly that I thought the whistle had blown and play had stopped because that was how clear the path was to the basket, and it looked like, oh, yeah, they just someone blew the whistle, they stopped play. No, no, that is how much more athletic Missouri is than Utah State. But Missouri, despite scoring on a vast majority of their possessions, they're averaging nearly a point per possession. Despite that, they have chosen to let Utah State hang around, and it's been much of the same problem. They've had an athletic advantage, particularly inside, and yet, they have not attacked the mismatches. It's allowed Utah State, after falling behind, to just keep shooting. And yet again, guess what we're seeing when a team falls behind and they just keep shooting? It suddenly picks up. And Utah's not even, Utah State's not even particularly shooting the basketball well. They're only 2 of 18 from 3, which is what a lot of people thought. However, on the other possessions... They are 20 of 28. It has just been remarkable thus far to see how this tournament has started. And in the end, you can gripe and complain. The best part about it is it's back. All right, my final tournament thought before we turn our attention to the Grizzlies. I have no idea if there are statistics to prove this, but this is certainly how a gambler feels particularly during the NCAA tournament. I swear to God, the worst thing that can happen to you is the team that you bet on takes a 15-point lead. Because I am convinced at this point, the officials then take over. Not to the point where, okay, I think they're fixing the game. I just feel like they're trying to get the games back close. Because it seems like every single time you're watching these things that a team takes a massive lead Fouls start to pile up, and here we go. Currently right now, 
Missouri leads Utah State 55-51 with eight and a half to go. Kansas is up on Howard 58-42. In about, let's see, five minutes, Charleston, College of Charleston and San Diego State will tip off. We also have, a little bit later, Princeton and Arizona. Arkansas and Illinois will also tip off here during the program. So we'll keep you updated on the NCAA tournament. Obviously, Mark's going to join us during the 3 o'clock hour. We'll talk tournament with him, particularly Tigers and more. Let's get to last night. So we got the news yesterday that John Morant was going to be suspended by the NBA. And then, honestly, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 minutes after we got off the air yesterday, ESPN starts tweeting out that John Morant will be having a sit-down with John Morant. Beg your pardon, Jalen Rose will be having a sit-down with John Morant. And having watched NBA Countdown, it seems like Ja basically went right from the NBA offices with his meeting with Adam Silver to the location where they filmed the interview with Jalen Rose. So, the couple of big takeaways that I had from the interview itself. All right, let's start first with Ja Morant. The biggest takeaway that I had from Ja was that Ja Morant was not persuasive. Now, I do not mean that in the sense of John Morant did not come across as believable. John Morant's story didn't seem credible. John Morant's answers weren't believable. What I mean by he did not come across as persuasive, the whole point of these sit-down interviews is to give your side of the story. I do not believe, though, if you watch that interview, your mind was changed. I think whatever you believed coming in, that's how you felt going away from it. If you were someone that wanted to hear Ja say he's sorry and that he's learned from his mistakes, you got that. If you were inclined to believe Ja, you were confirmed in what you heard. If you were someone who was skeptical, and I believe... I'm not saying everyone nationally. I don't know how Warriors fans, how other fans on Twitter might be feeling. But I'm talking about if you are a Grizzlies fan that at your core wants Ja, wants the best for Ja, is how we'll say it. If you're in that camp, which is what I think most people here, if you're a little bit skeptical, that's where you are. If you were worried that this was going to come across as a PR move, a crisis management move. Well, I think you were confirmed on that as well because it was clearly a very rehearsed set of answers from Ja. But if you were just reading what Ja said, I think you were pleased with what Ja said. But I think also if you're someone that is skeptical about you know whether or not this has been enough time to actually change, I think you left felt feeling the same way. The other thing 
that I saw from a criticism standpoint that didn't quite add up to me. I do not understand those that were critical of Jalen Rose. Now, it's entirely possible a lot of the criticism came away from early clips of the interview rather than the interview in its entirety. Because there were a couple of things that really stood out to me in terms of watching the interview when it aired with SVP, I think it was sometime around 12.35. If you listen to a lot of the audio, it was clearly edited. Now, it could have been edited from from a time perspective to try and the way TV works, like you got to fit it in. Basically, they had this five-minute block. It has to fit in there nicely. But I cannot think of a softer landing spot for Ja to do his first interview than with Jalen Rose. None of those questions that were asked were anything of a surprise to Ja Morant. And if you don't believe that, he had his answers ready to go. Furthermore, I'm having to speculate a little bit, but I I just watched the tape. There's a moment where Jalen is asking a question, and you can see his eyes moving. Moving to the point of, it looks like he's reading something. I just do not understand those that have been heavily critical of Jalen Rose. I do not think Jalen Rose takes that interview to try and grill John Morant. I think Jalen Rose views it as, we've heard him say this. He sees a lot of the mistakes that he made in his younger self, as a, as a younger man, he sees them with John Morant. I think he wants to prop this guy up. That was one of the, the, the criticisms that just didn't really carry a lot of weight with me. I also think, though, big picture, I don't think anything, he could have given an interview that I could have sat at the end of it and said, that was awesome. The types of interviews sometimes you hear where you want to go back and listen to it again because it's that good. I still don't think even if he would have given that type of interview, it changes anything. In the end, with John Morant, the concern is not about necessarily what he's saying. The concern is, what is he doing? Does he actually believe what he's saying? We're not really going to know that. And whether or not he said it on the interview doesn't really matter. The most important aspect of this entire question is, does John ja Morant believe that he needed to make a change? He certainly said the right things. So if it indeed that is the case, I still come back to the point that Mark and I have been discussing here on the show this week. As embarrassing as this whole ordeal has been, I still believe that this can be a net positive. Yes, the Grizzlies, after last night's loss and Sacramento's win in Chicago, find themselves back tied with Sacramento. And if they were to finish the season in a dead heat in the standings, it's likely that Sacramento would move on 
or would it's likely that Sacramento would get the two seed, not move on necessarily, but they would get the two seed based upon Western Conference record. The way the tiebreakers work are, if indeed you have a tie, the division winner will advance first. Well, the Grizzlies and the Kings are both likely in that scenario to be division winners. So then it moves to conference standings. The Kings have a pretty sizable lead in terms of conference standings. However, though, I think it's entirely possible. Sometimes you don't have to have... I think there's those out there that have been critical of Ja and rolling their eyes saying, really, a week of rehab, that's all you need, or a week of counseling, that's all it took? I just think back in my own life, there's been times where, yeah, you need counseling and therapy and whatnot. You need guidance, however you want to, however you want to particularly dial that up and categorize it. But there's also times where you screw up in your life so bad that you don't really need the lecture afterwards. I don't know what John Morant was thinking. But I have to imagine when he woke up the Saturday after he went live on his Instagram and he saw, I'm assuming, all the calls from his agent, the calls from PR people, everything. I think he knew pretty quickly this was something different. And so I'm going to choose to believe in the end this is the type of this is the type of screw up that you don't necessarily have to do some 30-day program, 6-month program. There are times when you screw up and the consequences themselves change your behavior. Now that we know it's only going to be an eight-game suspension, and though we know Ja will not return on Monday, it seems likely that he's going to return next week. Ja's going to return in time to the Grizzlies with plenty of time to get back into rhythm. If this was the type of wake-up call that he got and needed and realized this is more than just me wanting to go have fun. I have other responsibilities. If he got that message, that's really all that matters. And as you head into playoff time, we could see a locked-in John Morant. And I think the key is, regardless, I think think it's clear to say this. The Grizzlies, to a certain degree, knew that they were playing with fire with John Morant's behavior. If you listen to what they've said, if you listen to other reports, that lines up. For whatever the reason was, whether they were in a position with not much leverage, because, as we've pointed out time and time again, the Grizzlies need John Morant more than he needs the Grizzlies. Whether or not it's a enabling, or whether or not it's 
maybe they were saying the right things and they were trying to get the message through and it just wasn't being received. The reality is they knew that they were playing with fire with his behavior. If this is the type of event that changes the behavior, I still think it's net positive. Yeah, Jaws a little lighter in the wallet. Yeah, you've missed eight games. You're still tied for second in the standings, and you're about to come through a really nice portion of the schedule where you can make up a lot of games really quickly. All right, let's talk about all the Grizzlies going on. We'll see what Eric's doing in one of his favorite cities, San Antonio, Texas. He'll join us next right here on Giannotto and Jeffrey, 92.9 FM. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my word. Podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H track all wheel drive and three row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. ESPN. Giannotto and Jeffrey broadcast live from the Red River Toyota Studios. Check out Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas. This hour of G&J is brought to you by the Next Generation 10G Network, only from Xfinity. The Giannotto and Jeffrey Show on 92.9 FM ESPN. Betty MGM's March Matchups is the perfect time for Hoops fans to take their best shot at scoring big. Log in or sign up today and place a $50 wager on any team to win the college basketball tournament that is airing right now. If your team makes the semifinals, you'll receive a $20 bonus bet to use on any sport. Just use bonus code right, my last name, W-R-I-G-H-T, when you make your bet. Hit the court and find out why nothing beats BetMGM's March matchups. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly, and they offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Tennessee only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. For problem gambling support, call the Tennessee Redline. 1-800-889-9789. Eric Halstein's the Memphis Grizzlies radio network play-by-play host. Kind enough to join us on Thursday. Eric, are you at the Riverwalk? Where are you? Uh... Well, I call it something different, but yes, similar. Mm. Around the corner from it, not on, not on the actual walk of the ditch, but um, yeah. All right. Yeah. No, close by. Uh, at a little place called uh, Maddie McMurphy's. 
so in how many San screens that has multiple that's why we picked okay. it so we found it uh, a couple of years ago i think either during the same time or i feel like, like i feel like you'll have a san before. antonio trip during the tournament every year yeah it kind of feels that way you're not wrong uh, and then this place had it's uh, where our hotel is it's close by so it was easy walking distance and uh, we did get here at 11.05, and we're the first ones in, and we've gotten to know the manager, and I said, we might be the last ones out with you later tonight. Uh, he thought that was funny, and we were like, no, no, no. We're, we're not serious. joking. <laughs> we're not kidding. Um, but, we know, we've been watching, and he, I have a big pet peeve. If, in anybody listening that runs a sports bar or works in a sports bar, know the sports schedule and know what channels things are on. This guy does. That's why we come here. So, like, when we've come to watch football here in the fall – they always have the games on, and they've, they've got them. So, uh, you walk into some sports, quote-unquote sports bars, and, like, QVC is on. It's like, what, what, why do I need to buy a knitting kit? You know, it's football Sunday. Let's you, go. Come on. You Dallas know what? Some, Saturday. some of my favorite sports bar moments are after, you know, let's say it's Saturday, and you decide you're going to go get the good seat at the sports bar Saturday of the right. tournament. And then you right. walk into the – because you have to be early if you're going to a popular spot. You walk in. And then you just see Charmed on. That's when I know, yeah, all right. right, I'm ready to go. They've got it locked on TNT. They're not even worried right. about switching over. Like, it's just been right. there because it's been on the whole night. Like, that makes me, that always gives me comfort. I, so there was a local uh, establishment. I, I can say it, McGinnis in South Haven, right? Oh, yeah. Where I used to work. And I would tell, when I bartended and then was part-time manager, I would tell my, my day bartenders, I would say, when you get here, after you get your bar set up, your first task on a Saturday or Sunday of football season is to get the TVs changed before people get here. Yeah. Like we will leave you a list of the channels that these are on. Cause I understand that that may not be your job. That's the manager's duty. Then it's the rest of the staff's duty. If you're there by yourself, like you've got to get those channels changed. Here is it, it is. Put it on this TV, this TV, this TV. Simple. It's not hard. Is there also as a, as a sports bar customer, is yes. there anything more infuriating than when you ask, hey, can you, like, forget, like, I understand. If I'm betting on Pacific and Pepperdine, I'm going to have to right. watch that on my phone. But when, <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm asking to get the tournament turned on and they go, we don't know where the remote is. Like, what, what channel is that? Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, TNT. That's, that's the you other know thing. what channel that would be on? TNT. So, yeah, what channel is that? Oh, do you have direct so it's amazing. Yes. You know what amazes me? Yes, I'm with you. Do you have Comcast? Like, like, that's the first question. Right. When they're like, do you know what channel it is? I go, what, yes. What's and I go, system? well, what do you, yeah, do you have direct? Do you have Comcast? Yeah. I know them all. Yes. If it's direct TV, I, that's happened multiple times where like, you can see it's direct TV and I'll be like, it's 209. How'd you know that? I'm a sports fan. It's on ESPN too. It's 209. It got to the I point. Don't think, I don't think so. No, I promise you it's 209. Type in 209 and you will get there. Oh, look at that. Yeah, you, did you think I was lying to you? I'm trying to watch it. I'm not making this up. Yeah, I, I'm in the category of, like, when everyone's making the jokes of, you know, what channel's true TV. I don't have to look that up. I still know no. it's 246. It is the home of Impractical Jokers Yes, 246. Yes. Well, Two, it's, so the, the tournament is 245, 246, 247. And then right? three. With, with and then three, depending and on then whatever three. your CBS is. Yes. Or also, yes. don't forget, if you're a direct TV guy, which I know those numbers you are, 205 is the mixed channel when you they'll yes. put all four on it. So if you need to figure out, absolutely. And also on the key about the mixed channel, they list the channel number of the game in the corner. So if you wanted exactly. to go to that one game, you don't have to look it up. 
And when you get to football season, the funny thing is, like, the NFL Sunday ticket before now it's shifting around. But before, like, you know it's, like, 701, 702, and then the channel start, and I'm like, it's in the 700s. Yes. There's no channels in the 700s. I'm like, this is Sunday ticket. You have it. It's on your window outside. I don't think we have that. I said, just type in 704 for me and see if you have it. Oh, look at that. We have it. It's week four of the season. What have you been doing? Is Sunday Ticket moving to YouTube? Is that going to make you drop direct? Because I'm in that weird, what do I do here? No, I don't know. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like GP where I still consume TV like old-fashioned ways. And so I, I like knowing that when I go home, if I want to watch like Investigation Discovery at sure. 285, HBO's 501, you know, I, I like that, but it is it is a little pricey. I, so is DirecTV not even going to carry it at all? Will it not be there? So the deal that they're trying to work out, they're not going to carry it at all. YouTube, YouTube is going to have the retail. If you're, a, if you're just a, a consumer like us, you're going to have to get it through YouTube TV. What they're trying to do, though, is for bars. They're trying to cut a deal yeah. where they can bars can still get it through DirecTV, but you and I will not be able to. I get that, but like, and, and for the longest time, I thought that was a mistake to monopolize it, but I, I understood where it was going, but I probably won't, to be honest with you, I'm, we're gone so much after the first month, weekends are in and out that I, I didn't subscribe this year just because like, usually I'm not in town. So it's, it's kind of a waste. And then if I am in town, I, I have places I'd like to go and get out and see people that I don't get to see very often. So it's, it's a little, I have a little different uh, schedule. If I had a normal nine to five workday schedule, I would, I would definitely have it. And I probably would switch up I w- or I would at least drop down to more of a, a base package type thing. All right, let's get into the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies got, oh, yeah. they got, okay. So I said this yesterday. Last night, yeah. Dallas was great Monday. That's I fine. said this yesterday to Mark though. I, ch- I Before the game, I chalked it up to a schedule loss. I felt like that was a weird sandwiching to put the Miami trip. Yeah. And I don't know. Like The thing that surprised me was out of the gate, I was like, eh, I don't really feel great about this game. But then out of the gate, the Grizzlies started really hot. And I was like, okay, maybe. And it kind of hung in like that four-point range until yeah. the Heat had that big run right at the end of the first half. Right. And to me, like – I don't know. Like I just didn't take a ton from that. That to me felt like nah. one of the the old QB Browns. That's just one of those games. That's a tr- you throw that one in the trash. I actually said that to people last night about the, the, what Hubie had said, and um, I wouldn't chalk it up as much as schedule loss because you did have a day off, and yeah, you went Dallas to Miami, but day off in Miami. But I, I think there's you know, look, you have to put into into perspective that there, yesterday was. There was a lot of news yesterday. That's a lot for people to take in and, and get around and a lot of the talk. And here's the thing. Miami realizes at being in the seventh seed, they, they have a very, very real shot of getting to the sixth seed with, with the way Brooklyn has dismantled their roster. And so they're going to take care of the home court. The other thing I thought that happened was the Grizzlies got caught taking threes. And Miami, look, Miami is a slow-it-down team. They're bottom-of-the-league pace of of play their bottom of the league offensive efficiency but defensively they're okay they did not play the game in memphis with butler or out of bio so they had a little something to prove and you know look you're watching that game and 
I think what my stat guy handed me was after the Grizzlies had a lead at 20 to 16. Yeah. 21 of their next 30 shots were from three. Yeah, and, it, and I, I, Brevin was mentioning that too. He's like, it just I feels like we're settling. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, just just taking every, and that's it. Seemed like that's what Miami wanted to play you into. Now, they're they're good on the home floor already. They're like they're a little like the Grizzlies when when you look at their record. They're solid at home. The Grizzlies are fantastic at home, more than solid. Um, but Miami's good at home, and they they struggle a little bit on the road. They they've had a weird year too. If you look at their numbers, they've had like over half their games have been decided by five points or less. They've been in a lot of games. In fact, I think 41, they had played 70 games, and 41 of their games, they were trailing going into the fourth quarter. And they're still above 500. Usually if you trail going in the fourth quarter in 41 games, you're probably 10 and 30 or right. you know, a little less than that at, at 10 and 30 at best. And they had won like 13 or 14 games with that. I'm like, that says that they can finish things out. They're a good free-throw shooting team. We talked about that in our pregame shows. Like, you got to keep these guys off the line. You got to take care of the ball. And early on, the Grizzlies didn't take great care of the basketball. And Jimmy Butler went to the free throw line. Now, I thought there were some times where, as a as a fan, you could be frustrated. It seemed like the Heat were getting calls. The Grizzlies were not. That's why Taylor Jenkins, to me, and I don't want to say that I talked to him about this or make this a thing. I thought he defended his team. I think he went yeah. after an official in defense of his team, and if he got a technical, he got a technical. But he was going to make his point that, you know, you're not giving my guys the, the, the fair shake we think they deserve, and I'm going to let you know. And when you see that, that's, you know, a lot of times coaches will do that to try to fire up their squad. But, you know, I think Taylor expects them to be fired up either way. But I think he does believe in his group, and without a doubt, and also was, you know, letting the officials know, hey, this is pretty one-sided. And it really never evened out. Um, part of that was because in that thir- in that second quarter the Heat just kind of pulled away. But um, the Desmond Bain ejection obviously didn't help. You take that out of the roster now, and you're just you're talking about a whole different thing. And I, I thought that one was again. Could you? I, what I thought it should have been was a blocking foul and then a technical on Bain, because clearly that doesn't happen if if Kevin Love doesn't. He doesn't slide into him. Yes, and I think he got his arm caught, reached up. Not a good thing to do. You got to, but I mean, what else do you expect him? He's trying to get to the basket. I don't think it was malicious at all. And to throw him out of the game, I thought was wrong. I, I just thought was wrong. But that's my opinion. And the officials call the game the way they see it. They're never going to be perfect. They're never going to do everything you want them to do or make a have a game where you go, oh, we got everything was fantastic there's always going to be things you disagree with that's part of the game but I just thought that that was one where it was pretty evident that I thought Bain beat him to the spot and the initial contact was what caused Bain's arm to be in you know in that area and then when he reached up he hits him and because I'm sure it hurts embellishes it and goes down you know Mark Davis just I just thought went to a different level with it I was like you flagrant when he announced it, I was like flagrant two I mean like I, if you want to call a flagrant one because you didn't call the blocking foul you know flagrant two but I guess that's the nature of the rule and uh, so I was like I mean if that's the letter of the rule that's where you also hope other things come into play but it didn't and it's one of those nights where we even said on the broadcast hey you just throw this one away you go back and you look at where they were able to break you down off the dribble to try to improve that defensively you go back and look at the possessions where it was pretty clear you you kind of 
settled for outside shots rather than attack. And, and you try to, you try to correct that Friday night and get a win on the road. And then it's a two and one road trip. And that's, that's, that's where they're at right now. After tomorrow night, they have 13 games left. They have seven of their next eight at home. So go out, you know, roll the dice. And, you know, then you got to kind of finish out with a more road-heavy schedule. You go to Atlanta, and then you come back and play a home game, and then you go back on the road. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting schedule after that. But the seven of eight at home, I think, are, are where you're hanging your hat on, okay, we're certainly – I think you're almost assuredly going to stay in that two-three spot. Yeah. That's, you can yeah. certainly make a run at Sacramento. And, you know, I, I would say last night's loss makes it really pretty much impossible to make a run at, at Denver, even though they're playing really poor basketball right now. But I think it, 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 it assures you that you can be two or three, and that's what you play for. And if it gets to a point where you're not going to catch Sacramento or they have a, a, a lead and they have the tiebreaker, then you move on. Can you help fill in the blanks for me? Does does George Carl have a thing for the Grizzlies? Like, I, it's it's weird to me that I understand. Like, he tweeted out the other night that you know about Denver. You know, they're playing bad basketball. It's something that you've always said. Like, hey, these bad stretches happen. But then he's like, I'd still rather be the Nuggets than be the Grizzlies or any team in the West. Like, is there some is there something in history that I don't know about George Carl? Like, yeah. I know he kind of. Didn't he interview maybe one time with the Grizzlies? But I, I, it just seems weird to me. It feels like it's personal. Nothing that I know of. Um, that's always kind of been his personality. I would have, I would have thought if anything he had, he would have that affliction towards the Warriors, where yeah. he was once a coach. But no, nothing that I know of. He may have interviewed, but like that's part of being a coach, right? You get if you're if you're sour grapes over interviewing and thinking you had a job and didn't get it, then uh, you're you know. then you were in the wrong business. But, I mean, look, he was a heck of a coach. There's no question about it. Um, I I don't disagree with the fact that there's a lot of people that are going to look at that Nugget roster and go, that's that's who you want to be. There's flaws, I think, with everybody. Mm -hmm. Uh, Right now, the Grizzlies' biggest flaw is they're they're banged up. I mean, look, there's no – it's crazy to me that people, like literally no one in the national media is discussing the fact that this all started when Steven Adams got hurt. Yeah. They were playing, they had won 11 straight. They gave one away in Los Angeles. They go to Phoenix. They have a bad game on the road. Okay, that happens. But at the end of that game, Steven Adams gets hurt. And now the whole complexion of the team changes. If you look at the game against Los Angeles, they were dominating that most of the way they were you know really sluggish in that opening first three quarters against phoenix but they made a charge back in that game and where he gets hurt is because they literally gave themselves an opportunity to win even though when he made the play the opportunity had probably slipped by but they were playing really well and steven adams gets hurt and it's nothing against the other guys but he's just such the integral part that kind of brings it all together, the rebounding, the defensive presence in a pick and roll, the ability to let guys kind of roam, that was massive. And it's nothing against the guys that filled in for him, but that's why you signed him to a two-year extension. So no one's discussing that. And everybody's like, oh, it's this, it's that. Well, the biggest flaw for the Grizzlies right now is they're hurt. Yeah. And then there were some distractions off for, let's say, the Clippers. They don't have a true playmaker as a point guard. Russell Westbrook is not a playmaker. They don't have a guy to go in and 
say, okay, let's settle it down and get, you know, get this in the thing. They're relying on Paul George and Kawhi Leonard to do that. For the Kings, it's, they play no defense. They have no playoff experience. For the Suns, it's can you stay healthy. For the Warriors, it's can you win on the road. There's, every, there's something for everybody. And even Denver right now playing this way, and Michael Malone, that's, that's the big question with them. Do these guys want to play for Michael Malone? Because there are guys that seem to want to, and there are other guys. You know, Bones Highland is gone after one and a half years where everybody thought this was going to be a big piece of their future because he and Michael Malone couldn't get on the same page. Yeah. Now, is that Bones Highland or is that Michael Malone? I think Michael Malone's a heck of a coach. I mean, the, the most, one of the most difficult guys to coach that I've seen in my tenure was DeMarcus Cousins, not because he's not talented, but because he wants to do what he wants to do. And he was a big advocate for Michael Malone. So if you can reach that guy, you can coach my team because you can reach anybody. But there's no question that they're disconnected right now, too. So I think these, you know, that's the problem with Twitter and, and all these things now where guys will just fire things off and we, can, we just have to infer what they mean. And, got, you know, guys that are out of the public spotlight can get themselves back in by saying certain things. I don't think there's any animosity between George Carl and the Grizzlies, but you know only George Carl could answer that for you, honestly. All right, let's close here. What's the what's the mood following the news that Ja? We now we it feels like we kind of got clarity, closure. All right, we know yeah. it's the eight game suspension. He'll be back with the team on Monday. Not going to play Monday, but he, he, we assume he's going to be back sooner than later. What, what's kind of the reaction as the Grizzlies finally got some clarity? I think it's still just the wait and see, you know, like the, I mean, but everybody's now it's, there's no longer this cloud hanging and, and look, everybody's had to deal with it, whether it's Taylor Jenkins players, us, like every question, like, what do you, what do you think about this? Like, what do you think about that? I get text messages daily. Like, I can't believe this. I can't believe that. It's like, what, what can't you believe? You know, the kid made a mistake potentially, you know, that they got him in trouble. It is what it is. He, He didn't do anything like, that that should just be he should just be cast out on an island by himself and ostracized. He made a mistake. He made he made a bad choice. Okay, great. I, I can tell you dozens of bad choices I made at the age of twenty three. Obviously, I didn't have the same things at hand. So uh, I think the best thing the, the way everybody's trying to, to attack it is just move forward. Yeah, we got to move on. We got to we're going to support him. We're going to be behind him. He's part of our family uh, and. That's it. So I think they were already to that point. Now there's a, a definite time frame. And look, I, I'm not going to – I don't know what the ramp up, as they discussed, is going to be. I don't know how long that's going to take. But if I know that guy, he's going to do everything he can to get on the court as quick as he can because he, lo- he does love to play basketball. He does love to compete. He does love to be the best player on that court. And in the end, that's just what you hope wins out. And we've seen it happen to other guys. I don't want to mention names. We all know players that have gotten in trouble but then have come back and been all league, all star, all world players. And he's got that capability. He really does. And, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the challenge posed in front of him, and he'll have a support group behind him that hopes to help him achieve that because he's certainly capable of it. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three, you bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.